Hi, my name is Rob Scott from UC Today News, and in this session, I'm joined by data protection expert Dr. Scott Alndevoe, who's going to guide us through today's topic, which focuses on service providers and why they need a data protection program in today's UC marketplace. So, welcome, Scott. Nice to see you. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Just before we dive in, Scott, how about we just do a quick introduction? Tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and what you do uh, at Alan DeVoe and company. Sure, happy to do that. So I'm a data protection specialist. Uh, I work at a full service data protection firm. I've worked in the UC industry for over 20 years. Uh, the partners of the firm uh, have. Uh, a quick bio, we have a legal department staffed with full-time attorneys to help with uh, data protection laws and regulations. We have a full-service cybersecurity department, a full-service uh, business continuity department to help uh, organizations with their disaster recovery planning, including ISO 22301. We have a, a full-service risk management uh, department that conducts risks assessments, uh, and we have an internal uh, audit department that provides uh, third-party uh, attestations. So that's a quick overview about uh, who we are and uh, a quick overview um, of, uh, of uh, Alan DeVoe and company. Fantastic. Well, let's find out why all those teams matter uh, in today's conversation about uh, data protection programs and why they matter to UC providers and, and specifically, I suppose, service providers uh, providing these services. So, I mean, first of all, I mean, the UC industry is processing more data than ever I can imagine. So, and I, I imagine that's hugely complex for uh, service providers to navigate. So I suppose, uh, you know, my first question, uh, Scott, is, you know, what ex exactly is a data protection program and why is it vital? Sure. Well, let's talk about this. Um, leading into that, unlike ever before, UC platforms and service providers, they allow organizations to communicate and collaborate and, and share highly sensitive uh, information. But with the growth of that particular industry has also grown the attack surface for bad actors to, to be able to target uh, pharmaceuticals, you know, discussing the latest R&D development amongst, amongst researchers, very, very highly confidential information. Business, uh, businesses exchange chat messages about their strategies. NATO uh, talks about uh, their security measures concerning the war in the, in the Ukraine. So. One of the most important steps that UC companies can take to protect this evolving uh, uh, class of highly sensitive information is to implement and to maintain a comprehensive data protection program. And it starts by ensuring UC companies understand the laws and the regulations that they, they have to follow, such as the GDPR, such as the CCPA. So it includes policies and procedures that whole companies have to follow in terms of how to handle data, you know, when to perform vulnerability scans and penetration tests, what it means to include principles such as security by design or uh, privacy by design and default, when to document privacy impact assessments and so on. So it, I think it's worth noting that it's illegal for service providers to collect and process sensitive information without first implementing and maintaining a data protection program. And this means that UC companies have to take the necessary steps to ensure that they're in compliance with laws and regulations around the world. Backing up for that, from that for just a minute, I, I wanna frame up kind of the state 
of what's happened in the last 10 or 15 years. When we think about the world's largest companies, you know, they're no longer the, the oil manufacturers or the aerospace companies by default. You've probably heard it said that data is the new gold. It's the, you know, in the largest companies, when we think about them, they're data-driven. Microsoft, data-driven. Alphabet, data-driven. Uh, Facebook, data-driven. Uh, even Airbnb, which doesn't even have any hotels, has reached a $75 billion valuation because it's data-driven. Uber, they don't even own any taxis, yet they're data-driven model gives them a valuation of $66 billion. So all this data has really added up. I, I read uh, on Statista that 97% of all the data in the history of the world has been created in the last 10 years. And that's just remarkable. But during this time, data breaches have continued to trend upward. I think partly because there's more data to breach, but also partly because of the advent of cloud service computing and cloud service providers. And it's happening at a time when cloud service providers are failing really to understand and implement the kinds of controls that are necessary to safeguard information. So in response, we see governments passing laws to protect information as they should. I mean, it's the duty and, and, and responsibility of a government to afford protection to their citizens, financial protections, healthcare protections, and now data protections, because we live our lives online. We can lose our lives on, online as well. So, so this is what we see happening, and it includes the UC industry, and it requires the UC industry to implement data protection programs that comply with, with applicable laws and regulations around the world. Superb. So let's dig a little bit deeper on that. I've got my UC hat on, and I'm thinking, I'm a service provider okay, what does this mean in practical terms? So could you kind of just talk us through that, that in, you know, in terms of, you know, break that down for us so we can kind of understand what role we have to play in sure. what we consider? Sure, because a lot of people throw around the term data protection, but what does it really mean? It's, it's an umbrella term. And under the umbrella of data protection are the terms security and privacy. I don't know if anyone's ever asked you before, you know, if you could define the difference between security and privacy. They're related, uh, but, but they're, they're different concepts. Security is often about keeping secret things secret. I mean, it's more than that, but we'll start with that simple concept, keeping secret things secret. It's about protecting information from loss, protecting information from unauthorized access, you know, like uh, call detail records or recordings of conferences or IP addresses of participants uh, in a meeting, uh, or it might be uh, the UC meeting title. Um, so we, we, we think about uh, uh, security and, and we know that there are many different ways to secure information. You have physical securities, you can lock the buildings and lock doors and set alarms. We have technical security, such as encrypting information at rest and encrypting information that's uh, in transit, uh, using strong passwords. And we have administrative and organizational security, such as policies and procedures that staff have to follow. All of that is a part of security, and it feeds into a data protection program. But privacy is different. Security can be a tool that's used to achieve privacy, but privacy is so much more. And this is what a lot of people don't really understand. And it's part of a proper data protection program in today's day and age. 
Privacy is about the lawful basis to have that information. You know, what lawful basis does a, does a service provider have to keep CDR records? What lawful basis do they have to keep chat messages? How long can they keep chat messages? What rights do individuals have uh, when you're collecting that kind of information about them? Do they have the right to know what information you have about them? Do they have the right to know with whom you've shared it? Do they have the right to know the, the kinds of security controls you're using to protect it? What if information is inaccurate? Do they have the right to challenge that and to have you correct it? Do they have the right to be forgotten? Uh, do they have the right to object to certain kinds of processings? Do they have the right to object to automated decision-making? So we think about privacy. It's all about the lawful basis that a UC service provider has to even hold that information. And for how long can they hold that information, which is in contrast to security, which is how do we protect that information? So when we look at security and we look at privacy together, that is what is meant by data protection. And that's why you see regulations uh, such as the general data protection regulation, bringing together those two ideas in a single regulation. Superb. And, and you briefly mentioned it's unlawful not to get this right. Um, so in, in terms of um, like GDPR and other regulations around privacy and security, I mean, there's a lot of them to, to consider. You know, what is the cost of actually not getting this right? Is it, you know, what, what could happen you know, to a business if this was, if this was not correctly addressed, for example? That's a, that's a good question, because when we, when we think about the cost of not getting it right, it, it's good to frame up a few things because number one, I, I've mentioned before that laws have made it unlawful to collect and process that information unless there is a data protection program. And so if there's a breach, if there's an investigation, uh, if the GDPR were applicable in some way, failing to provide uh, uh, an attestation of compliance with the GDPR, it could result in fines of up to 20 million euros or 4% of your organization's global turnover uh, for non-compliance. Uh, the CCPA uh, has uh, penalties. I think it's $7,500 uh, per violation if you have customers in California and they're covered by the CCPA. Brazil has data protection laws with pen penalties. Virginia has data protection laws with penalties. Uh, so does Colorado and Connecticut and Utah and Massachusetts and New York. In fact, in the, in the United States, uh, every state has a data protection law, and there are 280 pending data protection bills in state legislatures. So this is this is a quickly changing landscape when we talk about data protection. Uh, in not complying with the laws of any land in which you have customers is, is a big gamble. It's a big risk, not to mention reputational uh, risk and being tied up uh, in uh, investigations and, and uh, potential uh, civil actions. So I would say to not implement a data protection program, the likelihood of having a breach is 100% over time, uh, which which brings about, you know, I think we should mention a, a, a couple different metrics here. I think that would be in, important to know. IBM reports the average cost of a data breach to run roughly $4.6 million in their report last year. Uh, if it's a mega breach, which would be over 50 million records, the average cost of that is about 400 million. Uh, there's about 5,000 web portals uh, that are breached every day. Ransomware attacks, we hear about them all the time. That's because one out of every four cyber attacks are actually ransom, you know, 
where attacks. And nobody wants to be in that position. I mean, those are the two worst words no CEO ever, ever wants to hear, data breach. Um, you know, yeah. it's... it's you can't, um, can't underestimate the impact, not just the financial no. loss, but the reputational loss, because I suppose around the corner as well, you're going to want to do business with certain enterprise level companies that are going to want these, you know, security, they're going to want a good security and privacy resume from you, aren't they, as, yes. as a provider? So um, yes. I suppose not having this in place also prevents you maybe from accessing those types of opportunities as well. Would you Would you agree? Oh, I absolutely agree. That's a good way of summing it up. Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, let's move on from, you know, what it's like not to get it right onto how do you get it right? And, you know, how do you see providers get started with, with something like a, a data protection program? That's a good question. You know, I, I think the first step to building a successful data protection program is you have to get the buy-in, you have to get the sponsorship from senior management because I, I've seen without that, it's not going to work. So I, I think that's the first step. Management has to, you know, they have a statutory duty of care and, and, and they'll likely want to be involved, I'm sure. I think the second step when we think about this is to know what kind of data protection program you want to implement. Um, uh, for example, if your business is American focused, you might want to focus on SOC 2. Uh, if it's internationally focused, you might want to focus on ISO 27001. If it's uh, government focused, uh, you might want to be focused on NIST. Uh, if, it's a, if, if you're a cloud service provider in the UC industry, you'd want to start with ISO 7, 27001, but then you'd want to be able to quickly do some add-ons like ISO 27017 or ISO 27018. So the second step is really determining what kind of data protection program you think is right for your business, but right for your customers as well. I think the third step is to have patience because it takes a while to implement a data protection program. Usually uh, a good rule of thumb is it takes a year to do this and to do it right. Uh, and then I think the fourth step I would say is to ensure you know what laws uh, your organization has to comply with. You know, make a list of the laws that's usually driven by where are your customers, where are your offices, where are your data centers, what industries uh, do you have customers in? Do you have customers in the finance industry, the healthcare industry, the education industry? Uh, and what are your contractual uh, requirements uh, that you have customers giving you? So I would say that those are some of the first steps that anyone would take towards building a successful data protection program. That's great. And, and I'm presuming that Alan DeVoe, you're going to help take that company on the, on the journey uh, you know, through these various stages, because it's not just about the piece of paper at the end, is it? Of course, it's the process, no. the change management and everything else that you've got to, you know, kind of take care of. It's along the, the way. change of culture. And, and, and you'll really see a shift in culture. It's kind of like driving a car. You have to think about it quite a bit at first, but uh, later down the road, you don't have to. Uh, it's just natural. And so, yeah, we absolutely help. One of our unique things that we do is we gently make changes in an organization so it doesn't break anything because everyone has a day job they have to do. And we, we help step through people through that. That's great. Well, this has been a truly fascinating discussion so far, um, not to mention uh, you know, a crucial topic for our audience, but to round up, I mean, what top tips would you give our viewers, UC providers out there to be successful in the year ahead? 
I would say if you don't have a data protection program, you know, you need to start the process of having one right away. You know, I'd say know the laws and regulations that, that apply to your practice or get help finding out what they are. I would say, you know, ensure your organization has a formal written risk assessment. A lot of people miss that. I'd say ensure training happens with each of your departments because it's a legal requirement. Uh, ensure you're doing the right cybersecurity practices. You're, you're pen testing each new web of software that's coming out. Uh, you've got a third party providing vulnerability scans. You're conducting privacy impact assessments, PIAs. Whenever you're releasing new technology, you're doing phishing campaigns uh, to comply with laws that require that. I'd say make sure you're performing internal audit with an independent auditor, because that's really the only way that you're going to measure compliance and effectiveness. Um, ensure that you're incorporating security by design and default and privacy by design uh, and, and default. Uh, if you if you have a, a DevOps uh, organization, that's probably enough for now, Rob, but I think those are good tips uh, you know, to leave oh, with our audience. Tips, uh, yeah, to sink your teeth into, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, um, uh, for anyone out there looking to connect with Alan DeVoe and yourself, Scott, what's the best way to get in touch? Best way to get in touch uh, is you can go to the website, uh, alandevoe.com. Uh, you can just send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to talk to you. My email address is sallen at alandevoe.com. That's great. And we'll put some links in the description if, you, if you're looking to connect uh, uh, with Scott and the team at Alan DeVoe. So, uh, well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today, Scott. But it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. If you've got some good takeaways from today's session, do give us a quick mention on social and subscribe to our channel for more industry news and insights. I'm Rob Scott from UC Today. Thanks for watching. <laughs>